Sunday School will be online through Google Classrooms from 10 a.m. and our morning worship will be online at 11.30 a.m. Uh, during the past week, there were some developments with corona restrictions. Uh, so church will now remain closed until Sunday, the 7th of March, in keeping with the revised uh, guidelines. Today, uh, as we work through the book of Ecclesiastes, we're coming to think about pleasure and how Solomon tells us that pleasure is meaningless. Uh, so our theme throughout our service is to do with pleasure. And in our call to worship, we're going to read uh, from Psalm 16, uh, verses 9 to 11, and hear what they have to say about pleasure. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Many of us are seeking pleasure today, pleasure in different ways and in different forms. And here God's word is crystal clear to us. It says that God offers us eternal pleasures. The pleasures that we may enjoy on earth will last but for a short time, but God's pleasures last for all eternity. Let's come and worship God with the words of our opening hymn, it is well with my soul.
we've been singing about it as well with my soul and in our sermons. That is what we're focusing on. Soaking, focusing on our souls. Is it well with our souls? Is what we're doing relevant and helpful uh, to the condition of our soul? Let's come now before Almighty God in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, as we have looked out this morning, as we have walked, as we have driven in the snow, we see before us a white blanket. And Lord, it reminds us this morning that when we trust in your sacrifice on the cross at Calvary, your precious blood that was shed there removes our sins, makes us as white as snow, makes us right in the sight of Almighty God, in whose presence there are pleasures forevermore. Lord God, we know that you have created us. You have created us with a place for pleasure in our lives. It is not good for us to work each day. There is a time to rest, a time to play, a time to worship. And so we pray, Lord, that you would grant us the ability to strike that right and healthy balance. We pray, Lord, that you would help us divide our time between our work, between our worship, and between our pleasure. Father, we come this day, and as we come, we pray that your Holy Spirit may help us to examine our souls, may help us to examine our lives, our attitude to pleasure, the things that we enjoy, Lord, we pray that most of all we may have pleasure in worshipping you. We may have pleasure in meeting with God's people. We may have pleasure in the place of prayer, of Bible study and of fellowship together. So, Lord God, we ask now for your blessing upon this, our time of worship, as we come in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, and will be brought to us by Derek McDowell. Good morning. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. <clears throat> I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolish. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of the kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well, the delights of the heart of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired, 
I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward of all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Amen. Our thanks to Derek for bringing us that reading of God's word where we read about Solomon and how he pursued pleasures. And as we have identified as king, Solomon had the time and the means and the wherewithal to pursue pleasures. And that he did in the extreme. And yet we discover that he found that everything was meaningless. And so today we'll think more about that. But firstly, we want to come and we want to share some time uh, with the boys and girls as part of our worship. We want to think with them uh, about pleasures or maybe boys and girls would think about having fun. Uh, and this morning you might think it would be good fun, it would be a bit of pleasure to go out and make snowballs and throw them or to build a snowman. But in church we're not going to be as adventurous as that. Whenever I was thinking about, well, what do the boys and girls think as a pleasure? Well, I thought, well, most boys and girls have one thing at least that they count to be a pleasure. And I have brought some of it with me this morning. And I'm sure, boys and girls, you'll be disappointed that you're not here in church. Because I've brought this box. And on the outside it says, Sweet Shop Favourites. So I'm sure you can imagine that inside this box we have loads and loads of different types of sweets. So if you were here, you'd be able to see all these different lovely lollipops and chewy sweets and chocolate sweets. They're all lovely, aren't they? I'm sure there are a lot of boys and girls and you would have great pleasure in coming along and eating these sweets. But we know that it's not healthy to eat sweets all of the time. Sure it's not, boys and girls. You're able, yes, to have a sweet, but it's controlled. Your mummy or daddy or granny and granda will say, no, you can have no more, just the one. That's enough for today. Because too many sweets is too much sugar, and it can be bad for our teeth and bad for our health and bad for our weight. So, we have to keep it in balance. We have to have pleasure out of eating a banana or out of eating an apple because we need to have our five a day. And we have to enjoy our fruit and our vegetables just as much as we would enjoy eating our sweets or ice lolly or our sweetie lolly. But then if we move from eating the sweets and thinking about our five a day, we maybe think about the things that we do to fill our time whenever we're not homeschooling or whenever we're not doing homework. What else do we do? And I'm sure mummy or daddy, they, they give you some free time. They give you some free time to play or to do something that you enjoy, something that's a bit of fun. You maybe are able to play games or, or you maybe play some sport 
or maybe you work or play at a computer game or you watch a program on TV. And all those things in the right amount can be fun. They can be pleasure. They can be enjoyable. But then, no doubt, there comes a time when someone comes along and says, now, that's enough. You've been watching TV long enough. You've been playing in that computer game long enough. We're going to switch it off. And so, boys and girls, it's true for you as it is for us as adults that we have to, we have to be careful with our pleasure and with our fun because we can become addicted to it. And you might have friends and you say they, they sit on their computer or they sit on their tablet or they sit on their Xbox for hours and hours. They're always, they're always doing a particular activity. And so we have to be careful that a particular thing that starts out as fun or pleasure doesn't become something that we always do. We don't become addicted to it. We don't become focused on it all of the time. And then we lose the fun and we lose the pleasure. So we have to get the right amount of schoolwork, the right amount of sleep, the right amount of fun in our day or in our week. We have to look at it as a balancing because God has made us and boys and girls, God has made you and you want to have fun, you want to play and that's to be encouraged because God is also a God of joy, a God of happiness. He wants you and I to have times when we are happy, to have times when we can relax and have pleasure and have fun. Indeed, God rejoices in his creation. God rejoices and is happy when he sees us and watches us following and obeying him. It should be a pleasure, boys and girls. It should be a pleasure for us to read the Bible, to learn about God. It should be a pleasure for us to obey and follow Jesus. It should be a pleasure indeed for us when church is open again to come to Sunday school and to come into church to worship God. Those things should give us pleasure. And those things give God pleasure. And ultimately, as God is the giver of each gift, God gives us good gifts. And God then is happy to see us enjoying his presence. And then as we read in the psalm this morning, that God promises us greater joy. You may enjoy a lolly. You may enjoy different types of sweets. Indeed, you may well enjoy your fruit. But God has promised us that he will give us joy that lasts forever in heaven. And so he asks and invites us this morning to place our trust in him, to follow him, to find pleasure in him, and he will grant us pleasure for all eternity. So thank you, boys and girls, for joining in. Uh, as I say, I'm sad you're not here, but maybe sometime again we'll be able to share uh, a sweet uh, with you. God has given us uh, the gift of the church 
the gift of his word and the gift of prayer. And those are things that we should take pleasure in. And so now we come to God in prayer as we give thanks to him and as we pray for others. Let's pray. Father God, as we still our hearts before you in prayer at this time, we come, Lord, to thank you for the gifts that you have given to us. We thank you, Lord, as a church for the gift of offerings that our people have given. Lord, we want to thank you for the health and for the strength that you have given to us. Lord, we want to thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship you online to thank you for our National Health Service and for the development of vaccines and medicines to help at this time of great sickness through COVID. Lord, we come also this morning to thank you for Colin and Alison Holmes and their family as they minister and work for you in Ferrybank and Waterford. Lord, at this time we want to pray for Colin's doctors as they deal with Colin's need for surgery or for treatment after the bleed which he suffered at the back of his head in the summertime. We pray, Lord, that you would grant rest and comfort and peace to Colin and to Alison and their young family at this time. And we pray, Lord, that you would lead and guide the doctors and surgeons as to what is best for Colin. Lord God, as we think about our parliament and government and house of lords we pray lord that as a bill on assisted suicide comes before them assisted euthanasia that they would be able to deal with that lord in a way that is biblical lord that we may be able to recognize and realize not only as individuals but in the law of our nation that is only you has the right to take away life. Lord God, we pray for our internet ministry today. We pray for our vodcast that goes out each Thursday night as we discuss the commandments with different guests. We pray, Lord, that that may be helpful to our people and that may be a blessing in the teaching of Scripture. And Lord, we think also of our young people and our boys and girls. We thank you for Sunday School Online, for the teachers who prepare material and who post it online for our boys and girls to be able to learn from home. And Lord, we remember our families with young children. Lord, we pray for them as they deal with the pressures and the responsibility of homeschooling. Lord, we're mindful from our TVs of the situation of those children with special needs who are missing their school routine. And we pray, Lord, that resources and help and staff may be found to make it possible for those young people to continue with their routine of school and the fun that they have as well as the learning. Lord God, we pray this morning for those who sought pleasure in things which now have got out of control, which they now have become addicted to. We pray, Lord, that they may know healing in their bodies. And Lord, we pray this morning for organizations who deal with people and help them with their particular addiction. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
as we've said this morning, we're, we're, we're coming through to chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, uh, and we're dealing with pleasure. And Solomon says, pleasure is meaningless or empty. This week, Solomon takes us on the journey of exploring pleasure, only to reveal at the very start in verse 1 that pleasure is meaningless. Solomon was a man who had the ability and the capability and the time to throw himself headlong into having a good time. Verse 10 of a reading says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. And we know this to be true from the Bible because here in this chapter it describes to us that Solomon undertook great projects regarding construction and agriculture. We know it to be true from 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 3 which describes that Solomon had 700 wives, princesses and 300 concubines. And you know what, folks? Solomon still wasn't satisfied. We could summarize Solomon's observations in verses 10 to 11 by saying, the more you hunt for pleasure, the less of it you find. We often find that just as we've been praying, there are those as they pursue pleasure they discover that they need more and more of it to get the same kick. Sadly, there are those in our community and in our country and they have sought something for pleasure and then it's got a grip on them. It's something that they have become addicted to. And Solomon could see this in his own time that the more you chased after, the less really you got back. At the outset, thinking about Solomon and thinking about this topic of pleasure, uh, we need to put together some words to try and explain what treasure, or pleasure is because most of us w will probably have some ideas, some vague and some very precise. But pleasure is quite a hard thing to actually define because what can be a delight to me, what can be something that I take pleasure in can be a total pain in the neck to you. Our pleasures can be so different. We could start off by saying that pleasure is a state or feeling of being pleased or gratified. We could say that pleasure is a source of enjoyment or delight. For example, we could we could say the graceful dancers were a pleasure to watch. Or the footballers were a pleasure to watch and how they built up to score a goal. We could say pleasure is an amusement. It's a diversion or a worldly enjoyment. Pleasure also can be sensual gratification or indulgence. Pleasure could be described as one's preference or wish. To try and put that together, pleasure is what is pleasant, 
and that which is pleasant is pleasing. So then naturally it follows on that pleasure is that which a person does when they do what they like. They're not doing it because they have to or they have to earn money or they have to support their family or they're doing it out of service to others. No, they are doing it because they simply like doing it. And a person can be known by their pleasures and the same is true of society. The things which a person enjoys will provide a clear indication of their character. The things which society calls sport will reveal the character of a nation. Now, many pleasurable experiences such as eating, such as exercise, such as sleep, such as sex, are associated with satisfying basic human biological drives that are within us. God has placed them there. For Solomon, pleasure also related to trying to escape the present reality of life and to be transported off into some far-off paradise of perfect happiness. And isn't that true of our world? That many people pursue a pleasure to help them to escape the pressures, the stress, the demands of their everyday life. Romanticism through to the addict's cravings for strange states of consciousness uh, and down deeper and further to nihilism all amount to seeking to escape reality. Or they amount to filling a hole in our lives. Or are we trying to hide from someone or are we trying to hide from God? Or through our pleasure, are we trying to kill off God? In the words of Solomon, there's really nothing new under the sun. Solomon sought pleasure. The Romans sought pleasure. And in the 21st century, we still seek pleasure. It might surprise you to know that we are not the first country in the world where people have time on their hands or as we would say leisure time in the New Testament times the Roman citizen was convinced that work was beneath them work was something which they bought a slave to do just after the time of the Apostle Paul there were around 150,000 people in the city of Rome who had nothing to do in that same city, there was around another 100,000 people and their work was finished by lunchtime. And so a safety valve had to be found to allow these people to let off steam and keep themselves amused. A way had to be found to keep the people happy. When it comes to keeping people happy, there are three ways that we can approach or we can define or try to explain the topic of pleasure. Firstly, we can go to egoism. 
you've heard it said about people having big egos. It's to do with us as individuals. It's to do with us as people. Uh, And part of our individual minds act according to what is known as the pleasure principle. And the pleasure principle demands that needs should be met immediately. When you are hungry, the pleasure principle directs you to eat. When you are thirsty, it motivates you to drink. And then when you don't satisfy those urges right away, tensions start to build in your body. And so to relieve this tension, the mind then temporarily creates a mental image through daydreaming or fantasizing or hallucinating or some other process. For example, when you're thirsty, you're you're dying for a drink of nice cold water and you you can't get it then you start to imagine the the clear glass uh, and the water being poured into it and maybe a few ice cubes at the bottom. You imagine that you're you're drinking it uh, and your mind is telling you you're getting release, but you're just fantasizing. But this process allows the body to cope with the tension created until that need, that demand of the body can be met. If we go from egoism, then we have something called hedonism. And hedonism is the pursuit of pleasure and the avoidance of pain. And our culture today is very much of this vein. It teaches us to get as much pleasure as we can and avoid as much discomfort as we can. Hedonism is made up of pleasure seekers who really have no time for inconvenience, sacrifice, or service. It's all about the moment. It's all about pleasure. Egoism, hedonism, and then thirdly, utilitarianism. Utilitarianism is bound up with social reform. And we can also see that in certain aspects of our society. It's to do with the government making laws to keep the people happy. And that's exactly what the emperor of Rome did at the time of Paul and after. If you read through the history books, you will discover that Rome had more public holidays than any society in history. By the 4th century, the number of public holidays had risen to 175 days in the year. Isn't that massive? These days were all created to keep the people happy. So utilitarianism is the creation of laws which bring the greatest happiness to the greatest number of people for the longest period of time. Since the Roman Empire there have been few times in history when people have had such a passion for gambling or were so dedicated to gluttony. The Romans too had a large appetite for sex, but I think the obsession with sex in the 21st century is much, much greater. Romans 
We're living in the age of the theatre, chariot racing and gladiators. Roman society was being thrilled by people being killed in entertainment and in sporting events. When it comes to pleasure, whether it be in the 21st century, the 1st century AD, or at the time of Solomon, we have to pause to apply tests which true pleasure needs to pass. No pleasure can be right if it has a harmful effect on others. Any pleasure which leaves a person less physically fit, less mentally alert, less morally sensitive is wrong. Alcohol, drugs, gluttony, sexual relationships outside of marriage all fail this test for true pleasure. On this basis, they are not true pleasure. Secondly, we measure our pleasure against what it does to us. If a pleasure is harmful or has built-in risk, it cannot be right. Within this test, there is a warning that those who teach others to do wrong, those who invite them to sin, need to be careful. Because it is no small matter to teach another person to sin. There is a responsibility and there will be a price to pay. Don't teach others pleasures that are wrong. Thirdly, a pleasure which becomes an addiction can never be right. Now certainly pleasures don't start off as being addictions. But there are pleasures that can become addictions. Some more so than others. But some things that have become addictions in our society are alcohol, are smoking, recreational drugs, pornography, gluttony, internet or video gaming, and even in some situations, shopping. Fourthly, a pleasure is wrong if the essentials of life are not given their proper place. So if a pleasure takes away time, takes away money, which should have gone to other things and other people in life, who are of greater importance, then no matter how fine that pleasure is in itself, it is wrong. And to summarize those tests, we could say that the ultimate test of any pleasure is, does it or does it not bring a sense of regret after it has taken place? We must always ask, how will I feel about this? in time to come. And the difficulty there is that very few people can make that decision when they're in the midst of something pleasurable. Not only, not only do we ask, how will I feel in time to come? But how will I feel about this pleasure in eternity to come? And so the supreme test of pleasure is what will God say about our fun, about our pleasure, our pastime, 
on Judgment Day. In 2019, online gambling was the largest segment of the gambling industry. It's a massive industry, and online gambling accounted for around £5.6 billion, around 39% of the total gambling industry. Bets placed in the traditional betting shop generated £3.2 billion, and just under £3 billion was spent on the national lottery. Liz Ritchie from the charity Gambling with Lives said, there are 250 to 650 gambling-related suicides per year in the UK. And suicides by young people are rising because of gambling. So how, how do we as a society, how do we call such an activity as gambling pleasure? We are people who, whether we want to admit it or not, we live in an age of affluence. And we live at a time when people gamble for luxury rather than for survival. Now, in the Bible, there is no definite verse that we can turn to. So we must work on first principles. The case against gambling can be based on two things. Firstly, gambling is to seek to gain money without working. Secondly, Gambling is where all the winning is based and someone else losing. It may, it may be funny to many, but the, the one pound raffle ticket, it could be the start of something much bigger. And so the Christian, the Christian church should have nothing to do with gambling. And I say again clearly that we should not be buying or selling raffle tickets. We should not be doing the National Lottery. And just for further clarity, the Presbyterian Church in Ireland Code forbids gambling on church property. Recreational drugs. I think we'd agree and accept that they have become the supreme problem of this generation. We have many cries for freedom, for liberty. Indeed, cries for laws that, to make us happy. But freedom surely does not include giving people the freedom to destroy themselves. Freedom does not include giving others the freedom to peddle death and destruction for their own personal gain. And so I again am saying clearly that recreational drugs are wrong. And that we, no matter what age we are, should be taking them or using them. Again, alcohol is one of the most common things that we call pleasure. Many people turn to alcohol in its various forms to have a bit of fun, to unwind, to relax, to have a good time. And it, by far, is one of the most controversial when it comes to adopting a Christian viewpoint. While scripture may be deemed quiet on gambling and drug taking, it is abundant but by no means consistent when it comes to alcohol. Again, for clarity, speaking personally, my position on alcohol is total abstinence. It causes me personally great pain to see Christian company in the midst of wine. 
It annoys me to see pastors with their pints of beer. But yet in the Bible, there is nowhere any demand for total abstinence, neither in the words or in the example of Jesus Christ and his followers. In the Bible, there is only given a strong warning against the misuse and the danger of alcohol. And so before God, we are called to reach our conclusion based on Scripture. But that doesn't take away the attraction of alcohol to all classes of people. So what are the dangers? Well, alcohol is unpredictable. There's the danger of access and drunkenness. There's the risk of addiction. There's the cost. There's the health risks. And also, alcohol loosens a person's moral control and therefore has a tendency to lead to sexual sin. So in conclusion this morning, we put down some markers and some principles regarding the Christian view of pleasure. It's also true to say that over the centuries, the Christian view of pleasure has moved. But, but firstly, we say biblically that pleasure is a necessary element of life. What way does it go? Uh, all work and no play uh, makes Jack a dull boy. There has to be a basic need of play and relaxing met within us. Pleasure relaxes the mind. Pleasure refreshes the body. And so our challenge is to seek out pleasures which pass the earlier tests, which help us to relax, which help us to play, which help us to unwind, which help to keep our bodies healthy. And the ideal pleasure is that which is harmless to the person who indulges in it and the people around them. Pleasure is something which brings help to the person who does it and happiness to them and others and ultimately honours God. But what Solomon is saying to us this morning that we can enjoy all the pleasure we want, but pleasures will not fill that space and that gap that God has created in our lives for him. That space has been created for faith and for Jesus Christ. We can have as much or as little earthly pleasure as we want, but surely we should want to find and know the pleasure of following and obeying Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Amen. We turn to the words of our closing hymn. We're reminded of how Jesus gave us all, gave us life, so that our sins could be forgiven that we would be acceptable in God's sight and one day have the privilege and the opportunity to live forevermore and enjoy the pleasures with God in heaven. When I survey the wondrous cross,
Let us pray. May the love of God enfold us, the wisdom of the Son enlighten us, the fire of the Spirit kindle us, and may the blessing of God Almighty be upon us and remain with us forevermore. Amen.